Welcome to episode 116 of Sports Clicks and Politics. I am Sean Hannon, joined as always by the handsome and charming Ben Hughesong. Mr. Hughesong? Yep. A loss is a loss, but other than that, how was your weekend? Uh, it was a good weekend, all the way around. Uh, we had Thanksgiving this weekend. So uh, had- please explain to the audience what the Thanksgiving you said Thanksgiving. is? Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's, it's fake Thanksgiving. Uh, okay. My parents live out of town now, so when they moved out of town, we started scheduling an early Thanksgiving every November. And uh, it started out with just them and a few other people, and now has grown that this was one of our smallest recent gatherings, and I think we had 36 people at the house. 36. So, yeah, normally we get up. We, a nice, is that a prime number? Uh, no. No, it's even, so it can't be prime. Um, but, no, no, normally we uh, we push 50, maybe a little over, is our is our normal crowd. So it's uh, the greatest holiday ever. It's like, Thanksgiving is awesome, and this is just a better version of Thanksgiving. I like it. So do you do the whole turkey and all the, the same kind of dinner uh, items, or is it complete something uh, off the... Uh, Oh, it's a complete Thanksgiving oh, dinner. Oh, nice. So we had two turkeys, probably 20 pounds of mashed potatoes. Like, we, we, we go to work. So it's it, it was a lot, but, it, I mean, it's a ton of work. You get the stuffing, the potatoes, vegetables, salad, broccoli, mushrooms, like cranberry sauce, obviously. Although nobody ever eats cranberry sauce. I, I have one in the household that eats cranberry sauce. Oh, see, there we go. She enjoys it just the straight-out-of-the-can version, which is ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Kind of impressed. Yeah. So, yeah, I, like we do it every year. It's a great time. We get to see a bunch of family and friends that we don't get to see very often, and uh, we had a great time. Awesome. And then Sunday happened. Yeah, I, uh, I have to be honest. I didn't, I didn't know they had lost until this morning. Only I knew they were up two touchdowns at halftime was the last uh, update that somebody had given me, yeah. and uh, I didn't think anything of it. And then when I was – I saw some people – Make some vague comments, and I was like, I think they lost. And then I went back and looked, I was like, oh, shit, they lost. So In the most creative way imaginable, they lost. All right. Well, let's get into that in a second. Before we do, uh, I would like to ask everybody here where you uh, help the program out, help the show out. Leave us a like, even if you're a Bills fan. Uh, share the video. Subscribe to the channel. We're on YouTube and Rumble again today. So uh, Nice. YouTube hasn't kicked us off in a couple of weeks, so that's good. Give uh, it time. What the hell's your problem? I don't know. Everything keeps coming true. Oh, they're like not able to deny it anymore. You're just spoiler alert guy now. You're just breaking news. Apparently, like six months early. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about. I guess let's start with the Bills, uh, and then we'll go right into the Vikings. But um, Bills up two touchdowns. What, what happened in the second half? Because I missed it all. Uh, the Bills had a 14 point lead going into the second half, and then decided to call six run plays in the entire second half. Were they successful uh, with running the ball in the first half? They were. Uh, Devin Singletary scored two touchdowns, had a bunch of yards. They were moving the ball. And then with a two-touchdown lead, they decided, you know what we need to do is just have Josh Allen sling it and run everywhere. Now, wasn't this the same Josh Allen who was uh, unlikely to start up until basically tip-off or kickoff? Yes. And uh, then decided to sling it around the park. Wasn't it an elbow injury, too? Yeah. Yeah. So just nothing. UCL, All uh, fake news. I don't know. Or or, or a uh, product of modern medicine. 
So I, I guess the throwing motion for a quarterback is such that usually with a UCL injury, it's not like a baseball pitcher. Baseball pitcher, you hurt your UCL, you got to get Tommy John surgery. It's just what's going to happen. But with a football player, with the way the different mechanics for throwing, there's only, I think, ever been one professional quarterback who needed Tommy John surgery. Everybody else has been able to just recuperate, rest, play through it, do therapy, whatever gotcha. it is. So that seemed the route they went. And... Again, I'm not taking anything away from Josh Allen. Josh Allen is fantastic. But for the love of God, imagine what would happen. You want to know why you don't win close games? Because you don't run the ball. Because you have no concept of, hey, it's okay if we go three and out and burn four minutes off the clock. It's not okay if we go three and out and burn 28 seconds off the clock with three incomplete passes. Like, at some point, that that mindset has to come in of, Nobody has to respect the run game because as soon as they stop you on first down and you only get two yards, you're like, well, the run's not working today. So we just got to we gotta throw. And Josh Allen had a, uh, a, a bad finish, bad decision-making on those two red zone interceptions, and you just can't fumble that snap. So I don't know anything of this stuff, but yeah, okay. So he let the, You he really let, don't know what happened. I didn't. I didn't watch any of the highlights. No, I literally don't know. You're telling me all stuff for the first time. All right, so... Josh Allen got picked. I mean, I'm guessing folks at home probably know some of this, but I literally don't know it. So they, the the Vikings are down three. Or I'm sorry, down five, and they're driving down. They, they get all the way down to, like, the one-half-yard line. All right, so they try to run it in. They didn't get it. They try something else, didn't get it. So five, then on fourth and goal, they stop them. But one of the guys on the Bills went off sides. So now it's fourth and goal from the one-half-yard line. So naturally, they send Kirk Cousins on a QB sneak, and somehow the Bills stop him. At, like, the one-foot line. I, this guy barely missed it. R- review confirmed it. He was short. It would be awesome if I had the Kirk Cousins, how you like me, whatever that quote right. was right now, just to load it up and play it right now. You so like you, at home, you guys can all play that clip. So instead, the Bills come out with 45 seconds remaining in the game, a five-point lead taking over at their own one-foot line. Gotcha. Decide to run a QB sneak up the middle to get a little footing. Josh Allen drops the snap in the end zone. The Vikings recover, score a touchdown. Wait, I had the Vikings defense on my fantasy team. Then you Didn't, did well. I, no, because I, I got off the Justin Field bandwagon because he had won me so much money the last three weeks that I was like, can't happen again. He was going to be popular. Everybody was playing him. Guess who was popular? He Guess was who was huge. good? He was yeah, getting he did, good. He Go ahead. Great. Sorry. That's okay. But yeah. So they, they score, and now instead of being down five, the Bills are... Or the Bills were up four, I'm sorry, because then they were up, they were down three. Okay. So they still 40 seconds left. Josh Allen leads them down, kick a field goal, tie game, go to overtime. The Vikings get the ball first, come down again, get to about the two-yard line. Next play, they tackled Elvin Cook for like a four-yard loss, and then on third down, they took Kirk Cousins down for like an eight-yard sack. They kept kick a field goal. Bills came down. Josh Allen had two runs of like 24 yards apiece. They keep driving down, and then Josh Allen forced the throw down the middle. Interception in the end zone again. Game over. Vikings win. Wow. So that leads me to the, are the Vikings legit? Since you've got to watch them firsthand, we've been, un, I, don't, I haven't watched that much Vikings. I mean, I had a ju- couple Justin Jefferson lineups, so sometimes I'll watch them for that reasons. But are the Vikings legit? Sure. I'm not sold. Like Kirk Cousins is still your quarterback, and there's a lot of track record to go off of here. Sure. Of, it, it's not like he's in a state of development and getting better every year. Like he he's been who he is for the last six years anyway, and what he is is pretty good. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, right now, all he has to do is be pretty good because I think his weapons are spectacular, sure. right? So if he was Josh Allen, then the Vikings would be, you know, whatever, a perennial Super Bowl favorite. Oh, for sure. Um, so Kirk Cousins is their limitation. I don't know anything about their defense other than I think Zimmer's a good defensive coach or yeah. has been in the past. It's I'm not, not sure. It's not Zimmer if anymore. He's not there. It's somebody oh, else. Okay. Kevin O'Leary, maybe, something like that. That's Mr. Wonderful. That's not the right name. It's yeah. something like well, that. I could talk no. about him later, but that's... <laughs> my bad. Um, all right. So either way, but I always figured, I, in my head, I always had the Vikings as a decent defensive team. I don't really know if that's true or not. Obviously, so, this, the Bills seem to be up and down the, the field on them. Keep in mind. But they go on everybody, so. The Bills don't have a single starting secondary player healthy right now, and then they lost their starting middle linebacker in the, at the end of the first half. So look. I'm not taking anything away from the Vikings. It is a very young secondary that made some very costly mistakes. And I think Kirk Cousins is good. I don't mean to take away from him, but the idea of, I'm going to say the same thing I said about the Bills and the Jets playing each other. When each team has their best day, the Bills would blow them out of the water. It wouldn't even be a close game. With both teams firing all their players in and ready to go, I think the Bills would win handily. Um, there's only a few teams that I don't think that that's necessarily true for, though. Because Bills are very talented, but they've got to start running the damn ball. Holy crap, I can't watch this any longer. So any other takeaways from the NFL here? I mean, I'm looking up and down the uh, – I, I, I'm starting to keep an eye on the Niners just to see if they can kind of pull stuff together here. They won again, uh, beat the Chargers. Good win. Um, the AFC West is so much worse than I expected it to be, and the AFC East is so much better than I expected it to be. Yeah. I That's mean, my biggest takeaway the, right yeah, now. Yeah, the, the NFL is always kind of a, you know – that's why I like to bet underdogs early in the year because nobody knows. You're literally just you're. It's a fifty-fifty thing. I think in a lot of these early games. Same thing with the NBA. That's why I do it. I mean, um, listen, the Raiders have every weapon known to man. Derek Carr is supposed to be this legitimately good quarterback. They bring in Devontae Adams. Josh Jacobs is running like nothing is going on here. Very very strong team all the way around. Supposed to be competing. And they lost to the Colts with Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday coaching his first ever NFL game. Brilliant. You got to be embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry. Like, at some point, Josh McDaniels, you might not be head coach material. I think I, I think we need to face that reality. And, and maybe you're just a really good offensive coordinator. And there's nothing wrong with being a really good offensive coordinator. Well, so since you brought up the AFC East, we'll, we'll end on the Dolphins. You think they're, uh, I mean, big, I mean, beat the Browns, but just decisively beat the Browns. It wasn't like, they have weapons and Tua seems to be developing into at least uh, a better version of Kirk Cousins at least <laughs> he's a more accurate he, I mean, he, thrower but I'm not, not comparing him to Kirk Cousins but I mean he hasn't become a, a superstar quarterback yet but this is the first really chance of doing so I mean obviously he has weapons too so um I guess here's the way I look at it would I rather like if you could swap rosters who would I rather have the Bills have exactly who they have right now I think they're just a better team so are the Dolphins legit yes but I think your quarterback especially late in the season is going to cause limitations and I think I said this after the Bills and the Dolphins played right now it's a brand new offense brand new play calling nobody really knows their tendencies yet they're going to learn them and that's the problem is everybody knows the Bills tendencies at this point and they have to shake it up they've got to go start doing some other stuff um I'm not I'm not sure they will like this. Ken Dorsey learned from Brian Dabble and, but Brian Dabble now who never ran the ball in the entire time of Buffalo is now got Saquon Barkley going 35 carries a game. Well, he also has Saquon Barkley and that Daniel Jones is yeah. the quarterback. So he's, he's also got yeah different personnel. Right. So, but yeah, so it makes more sense. And this is what I'm hoping Ken Dorsey learns of like, Hey, 
it does it, it's not because he just needs to pass all the time. It's you have to do what works. And if this is at some point the strategy has to come into play because this is now over the last two weeks, they have a combined, I think, six points in the second half of two games. That, that's just not going to work. You're, yeah. you're not going to win that way. So I know it ain't a talent problem. So yeah, at, no, at that point, sure. it's got to be a coaching problem. All right. Um, commanders and Eagles tonight. Any uh, hot takes on that before we move on? Big who cares. All right. Oh, Tyler Heineke, I hope you ruined the Eagles streaks. It would make me so happy. I don't know why. I just think, like that, the idea that Tyler Heineke beats anybody. How does how does how have Heineken not actually sponsored that dude yet? I think Even, some, like, I think another beer company did actually because oh, just, he was trying to get Heineken and they oh, just, okay. they weren't doing it. Yeah, I would do that. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. I don't think I have anything else sports uh, related here at all. So uh, any other NFL takes you want to nah. touch on before we uh, move on? All right, so let's touch on our boy Elon. Uh, good news and bad news, or interesting news and maybe bad news. First, I'm going to start with the interesting news. So, headline, Twitter reportedly filed with FinCEN to process payments. I sent you this link and asked you if we should all be starting buying Dogecoin. Um, obviously, this is a, uh, a step needed for there to be some type of uh, uh, payments amongst users uh, on Twitter. So, I feel like this is... Uh, an attempt to build out Twitter into whatever Elon's version of the all everything app X is. Um, but interesting. I didn't see this get really reported anywhere. Kind of came across my newsfeed here a little bit. Um, I don't know. Do you, uh, we'll talk about the bad news in a second here for Twitter. I feel like that's probably a little bit uh, exaggeration, but I feel like this is lost in the shuffle here that Twitter kind of uh, is laying the groundwork to, allow for financial transactions on the platform. Do you, what do you, any initial uh, intrigue on that or any uh, uh, concerns or uh, whatever? I, I mean, I tend to think I'll give Elon the benefit of the doubt. I don't understand how it works. I don't understand if it's a good idea or a bad idea, but based on his track record, which I get that he doesn't really build companies. He takes companies that are built and then turns them into monsters. Okay, well, Twitter's already built. He's not trying to build this thing from the ground up. He's taking an existing model, and he's good at figuring out how to make it more efficient and how to maximize the money that's coming out of it. It's not complicated. That's that's his skill set. Uh, and he's been kind of good at it, unless, you know, dumb luck that is how we got to Other than solar panels. Wealthiest person in the world. Oh, my God, the solar panels. <laughs> that was a bad one. All right, nobody bats a thousand. Uh, but this is his. I mean, he came, most of his initial money came from PayPal. Like this is a world he knows and he understands. Yeah. Um, and if they can, especially with PayPal, the things they're threatening to do right now, where they can dock you money if they if you spread yeah. misinformation, like it's eh, a market opportunity for somebody. So if you could make Twitter that and have it still keep the social free speech aspects, then great. I don't I don't know how it's all going to come together. I just yeah, I just feel like I this don't is doubt a... Tom Brady. I don't doubt Elon Musk. We'll get to Tom Brady later, too. Um, so this just seems to me like a no-brainer first step for Elon trying to build out this thing to a much a much bigger uh, uh, utility than just free speech, even. Like, n it's not going to be just a, you know, a, a, a text exchange platform, I, I think, agree. going forward. So, uh, interesting. So, but the bigger headline... Um, and I'll read uh, Fortune, mag Fortune uh, headline from Fortune. 
Musk says ending remote work is the only way to save the bird. There's a good, this is a quote now, there is a good chance Twitter will not survive the upcoming economic downturn. And this is uh, uh, where people kind of ran with this and basically said Twitter's in trouble and basically Musk hinted at the fact that if things didn't change within the company, that the company would not survive. So most people thought this, you know, and ran with this headline of, uh, you know, Twitter going to be bankrupt and, and whatnot. Um, I don't think that he's figured out exactly. I mean, the transition hasn't been like, you know, smooth sailing by any means. This whole verified thing has kind of got its uh, hiccups here a little bit. So I'm not really, I don't have much to get into about that. But um, just the idea that he bought a company that might not make it through the next economic downturn seems a little far fetched for me. Like, I feel like he's obviously he's not made of money, but as close to anybody else who possibly could be, he is. So um, I think that he could withstand that if he finds enough, you know, optimism with things as, as he changes the platform moving forward. I I feel like there's a little bit of kind of like hyperbole here, but um, any hot takes on the uh, idea that Twitter might not uh, make it through the next economic downturn, whatever that is. I mean, it's, it's possible because how the hell does Twitter make money? Well, sure. Yeah. No. Like that right now, this is where he said we got to change something because this, you can't operate this company at a profit right now. It's too much. It takes too much money and it's, it relies on debt financing and that's not a sustainable model over the long haul. So do I really think it's going to happen? No. But if you keep running a company inefficiently and poorly, then eventually it should go out of business. That is the nature of capitalism that we have lost somewhere along the way. And I blame the 2008 bailouts for that, where everybody was like, can you imagine if Ford went out of business? Like, yeah, life would have gone on. A new company like would have... People would have bought up the good parts of Ford, and we would have moved on. That's yeah. it. And instead, it was, now that we all needed to give them our money because they mismanaged theirs so poorly. It's the dumbest form of socialism imaginable, where somehow the people without money have to supplement the people who have all the money, and we just smile and go along with it and thank them for their... Peanuts. Um, so, I, yeah, I, in this case, uh, if it's got to go out of business, it's got to go out of business. I doubt it will, and I think Elon Musk making the changes he's going to make will benefit Twitter overall as a company. Yeah, and, and we didn't, we're not going to go into some of the, all the new Twitter stuff, but uh, just to follow up on what you're saying there, I, he Elon tweeted out something to the effect of that it's had its highest daily active users ever. Right. So, like, and it's kind of gone on an uphill trend since he decided – you know, even floated the idea of taking the company, the engagement on Twitter has gone nothing but up. So um, sincere investment opportunities, like I feel like most of the people who pulled their advertising uh, ideas did it for, you know, whatever, ESG reasons or some shit, right? So um, the idea, if there are sincere companies who want to look for actual people to get their product in front of in a sincere and genuine capacity, Twitter might actually, Twitter's going to need, active users to sell their platform to again these advertisers so listen i think uh, if you're a journalist and you're spreading your message and that's really how you get all your people is through twitter then asking you to pay eight bucks a month is not an unreasonable request now for me i don't i don't do much on there except read what other people write so yeah it should be free for me i'm not i'm not benefiting or profiting from this at this point but if this show blew up and twitter was the main way that we exposed everybody to it and we were actually making money david rothschild would not allow that to happen uh he hasn't come back at me in a while <laughs> we haven't argued in a bit i can't believe a rothschild argued me over twitter like you're dead I, I mean i was polite just because he was wrong doesn't mean it's not my fault 
Um, but that's the thing. Like, if I was in a different position, if I was writing a newsletter, if I was trying to hit pet Patreon, or if you were making, like, if you were making an income, a living off, off of, of yeah, right. Twitter was a required expense. I'm happy to pay eight yeah. bucks a month. Yeah, for write that. it off. No problem. But the idea everybody's losing money. Oh, I guess free speech isn't free. Like, no, you're trying to profit from your speech. So yeah, you have to pay for that. That's that's a yeah. good healthy business model. Actually, if if companies and other promoters, even if they're not advertisers, want to utilize this for the financial benefit why is it so unreasonable to ask them to pay like you want this audience of millions of people eight bucks a month my 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 uh attempt to scam the blue check market 4.99 a month was uh, shot down because i got a an email saying that your membership will expire at the end of the month so you have to sign back up if you want to do it you want me to flow you the three bucks uh no i'm gonna no but um I don't know. I'm gonna. I think I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm gonna sign up for the blue check mark again until Project Veritas is released, right, free or whatever. So that's my little take. All right. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on Musk. We'll keep an eye on Twitter and all the things that go along with that because it seems to a never dying story here. Um. And so let's. I don't know. We did a couple episodes on this last week here, but uh, let's recap a little bit of the midterms. I don't know. You saw we got a uh, Senate uh, call here. The uh, Dems will maintain control of the Senate here, but really what I want to, uh, uh, touch on. And, uh, most people have come to this idea that the, there was no red wave uh, outside of Florida anyway, but I think there was a red wave in New York, Mr. Hughesong. Uh, so does the Atlantic. Why the red wave hit New York inflation, crime, and redistricting tinted a blue state red. So, obviously if you look at the top of the ticket, there was no red wave all 20, whatever years in a row, we maintain the streak intact of no uh, Republican elected to a statewide office now since 2000, I think it was, or 2004. I don't know. I can't remember. 2000. I think it was. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's been a while, a, 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 you know, a couple decades, but Lee Zeldin did in fact get to about five percentage points behind Hochul, which is kind of a number that I was, using in my head, I've said, but if he could get between four and five, we might see a down ballot red wave. And I think we got some of that specifically on the U S house side. And some of these races are still yet to call. So I, hopefully nobody in the Brandon Williams campaign will hate me for saying that he's already won, but it being up 3000 votes with the amount, the, the math is very difficult for him to lose this race at this point. There would have to be something Never seen before, almost. So awfully coincidental. Yeah, right. Very a lot of coincidences would have to manifest itself, and then I would have more questions, and we would dive into that more. But it seems as though, I mean, even the U.S. or the Republicans taking the House pretty much happened in New York, right? So the the idea that they they're going to win the House, it seems like by one or two seats, and that all happened in New York. I mean, they they flipped like four or five seats here in New York, including the head of the House re-election committee, John Patrick Maloney, downstate, lost. I mean, he was the head, kind of the head Democrat in charge of making sure all of the House Democrats get re-elected, and he lost. Um, so he was bad at his job? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. Um, so I think we got a little bit of this red wave in New York. Let's listen. So I don't know how much it matters to New York specifically, but the fact that the House is going to be, uh, or at least the the the, uh, the federal government is going to be divided, is going to be because of the red wave, um, as little as it may have been in New York. So maybe some New York uh, GOP people can be somewhat uh, 
you know, retrospectively happy about the results here in New York? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, the the blame for the lack of a red wave can be yeah, – there's plenty of blame to go around. I would say the biggest problems – first off, give the Democrats credit because their, poly, or their um, strategy – of funding the most extreme candidates of the Republican side in these races actually worked very well. Four and I think it it did a great job. Yeah, Uh, I do think. I feel like this part of a big conspiracy, but I'll tell you that off the air. All right, I'm excited already. (laughs) Uh, I think Donald Trump certainly deserves some blame, and I'm going to blame the election of Senator John Fetterman squarely on Donald Trump choosing to endorse Dr. Oz, which is a terrible candidate. And I think some people are just generally fatigued with Donald Trump in general, although he does, he still carries some weight in some places, but I think he's largely becoming irrelevant to the overall, like Ron DeSantis cleaned up in Florida with everybody knowing full well, Donald Trump couldn't stand him. So I I think the blame on Donald Trump, I, I won't give him credit and I won't give him blame. Like he's He's sort of an irrelevant factor that's just very loud at this point. Well, this has been the major takeaway nationally anyway, has been the Trump DeSantis, right? So this is, uh, after the midterms, this is anybody's ever talking about. And since we're talking about it now, that's why I feel like they conspired to make sure that they had the the built-in narrative of the rejection of Trump in those four races that you you alluded to there. Um, the, uh, The idea that the Dems were supporting the most... Uh, Trumpian and uh, 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 seemingly extreme type of candidates to make sure that they could have this midterm narrative. I mean, like, look, Trump was rejected. These are his candidates. They were on the ballot. They all lost. DeSantis won. So there's this kind of like national shift to try to basically minimize anything that is Trump. That being said, he's going to win a primary. Like, he's going to win a Republican primary against anybody, including DeSantis. I'm not sure anymore. I am. All right. That's good. But Because the voters don't care about what all the people in the media talk about. No, they don't. But Ron DeSantis is becoming independently popular, irrespective of Trump, and is a much more uh, palatable version of... of I, It's not Trump, and this is what I keep trying to harp on, is it's what Trump embodied. It was the thumb in the eye to the establishment and the hypocrisy of always being told that we are lesser than and we don't understand this and just shut up and like take what's good for you. And then Donald Trump came along and was like, you're going to trust these idiots? And that was what was But so he refreshing. trusted those idiots. I know. He's an idiot. So the idea, though, is Ron DeSantis has demonstrated through his governorship that he is also not afraid to buck the trend. He's not afraid. He's not going to back down and just go along to get along. Like, he's going to stand up and do these things. Is it enough to beat Donald Trump? I don't know, but I don't think it's quite a given as I once did. Yeah, I mean, obviously, listen, I, I'm i more convinced now than I've been ever that he's going to be indicted, whether or not that results in any kind of charges or anything, whatever. But, like, there's going to be... There's going to be some legal ramifications that I'm guessing they'll try to use to piggyback on this whole idea that Trump is unfit and un, you know, un, you know, too damaged goods. And if you guys pick this guy, you're guaranteed you're going to lose to even Joe Biden again, who seems to have reemerged as the Democrat favorite to be reelected again in 2024. Amazing. All of a sudden, we're going to have Biden two term, two term Biden. I hope not, but we'll see. Um, listen, here's who actually deserves the majority of the blame on the Republican side. Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. 
and they will do whatever they can to make sure it's not them receiving the blame. So that's why they keep pointing out it's Donald Trump's fault. It's Donald Trump's fault. Like, no, you got so far off message with what you were trying to promote. It was unbelievable. You want to know why Ron DeSantis cleaned up? Because it turns out that COVID vaccine mandates, school closures, and force masking children are all wildly unpopular positions. And so if you, instead of harping on crime rates and everything else, you could have brought out a much stronger portion of the vote by just focusing on the idea of never again. Now, these are the people that shut down your business. These are the people that if we let them, they will do it again this winter without a second thought. And instead, they chose to focus on crime. And don't get me wrong, crime is, is an okay issue, but it doesn't affect enough people. So if the idea... and and they didn't fund the right races. They didn't have enough promotion. Like they, they ran bad campaigns and they deserve to lose. They also ran bad candidates looking at you, Oz, Herschel Walker, Lee Zeldin. Like they, they didn't run their top tier candidates that they absolutely should have run if they were trying to win. Now, this is where I get a little conspiratorial myself. I don't think Mitch McConnell is a stupid politician. I think he is about as evil as the day is long, but he is a very effective politician. So I don't necessarily think he cared too much about winning this one as much as he is playing the long game and proving a point. And, all right, as long as we're going full-bore conspiracy, Republicans cleaned up in Florida. Also the only state that essentially got rid of mail-in ballots and, got, and, and really tightened up the rules around who could and how they could come in. And then the Republicans win in a landslide Everywhere else where it's still pretty flexible and we know ballot harvesting goes on and we know all these things go on. If I'm the Republican Party at this point, my fight is to clean up the voting process at, at the state levels, is to go and say, all right, it's enough of these absentee, it's enough of this uh, mail-in ballots with no dates or anything else. You have to make it so that these people at least are trying to vote. I don't understand how you, you wouldn't do that now. Yeah, no, uh, listen, I'm with you, but like I said... When you're winning, you like the rules. Yeah. So the Democrats are not, if they're in power, they're not, it's going to require those rules to be in place and then a change in regime where the Republicans take over or whoever takes over the Republican Party and actually has a desire to change those things. I don't know that anybody really does. So, I mean, the Republicans, again, could win simply by putting up better candidates. That's it. They could win a lot of these races. If they exist. They, of course they exist, but they're not the Republicans don't want good candidates. They want people that are going to come in and play ball with the party line, just like the Democrats do. Same thing I always say about the presidency. You're telling me the two most qualified people in the state of Pennsylvania were John Fetterman and Mehmet Oz, or however the hell you say his name, Mehmet Oz. Everybody's in the, under the agreement that those are the top two people that you want as the representative of your entire state is one of those two. You couldn't find anybody better top to bottom. Yeah, well, that's that's the illusion of choice, as uh, George Carlin likes to say. It's like, One yeah, you get to, even live in the state. You got to pick between. You got to pick. Right. Everybody gets to pick. Right. You get a choice. You get to choose between these two awful candidates who yep. are essentially two sides of the same coin. Yep. And so here we go again. Now we get to go back down this road, and we get to watch these idiots all argue as if what they do is an important thing. And in reality, it's all backroom deals, slush funds, and utter corruption across the board while they continue to get richer. But don't you worry, they'll be hitting you up for money in two more years to make sure they can stop the evil on the other side. And only they can do it. The next election will be too important and not the one to go third party. It's too important. The last one maybe, but not this next one.
The next one's always the most important. Every single time. As I like to, as in my letter to the editor, to the mayor of this city, uh, every episode of The Bachelor or Bachelorette is the most dramatic rose ceremony ever. So It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. I remember saying this about somebody when we were talking about Trump-Biden. And I'm like, guys, every election you come out and say, this uh, democracy is at stake yeah. and this is the one. It was the same thing for and Trump I Clinton. Had, I had a friend come in and be like, listen, normally I would agree with you, but this time really is different. Like, dude, shut up. Yeah, no. Just go. No, everybody I'm really sorry. believes. I, I, I'm of the, I, I think they believe that is the most thing, but I've heard it so many times that I, it's impossible for me to acknowledge that you're right this time. This it's, is the time. It's so laughable yeah. of... Yeah, we can't have an election denier. All right, well, you still got people voting for Stacey Abrams and Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, Al Gore was is still pretty widely popular and accepted. Like, the idea of denying an election is a uniquely Trumpian thing is laughable. Like, it, it's Stacey just not Abrams. the case. What's that? Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is the best example ever. Like, there was no mathematical way that she could have possibly won. And she still went on for four years about Listen, I, I how can't, she was the rightful governor. I can't remember the specifics, but I even feel like all the way back to when Gore-Bush thing happened, didn't the electors of Ohio try to decertify themselves or something? Like, something yeah, happened somebody, in Ohio. Yeah, so, I mean, so, like, this has been going on long before Trump right. showed up on the scene. But Trump makes everybody dumber. <laughs> and Trump makes the people who oppose him dumber. And they act as if this is all, oh, he tried to steal our democracy. Like, no, he did he is a buffoon who is P.T. Barnum in modern day politics. And I'm not 100% sure he's not a plant by the Democrat Party. Like, I'm still not positive that that's not true. But I mean, if you're a plant for the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party is just a.k.a. the CIA at this point. So it's amazing. Go ahead. But Donald Trump <laughs> served a very valuable purpose. And no, it's not the Supreme Court justices or the Tax Reform Act or, or whatever else. He demonstrated so clearly for those who would pay attention and are willing to see it, what an absolute parody our national politics actually is. What yeah. an absolute satire this is of how a country should be run. Yeah. It is nonsense. And having him go out there with this stupid-ass red hat and yelling at reporters was the funniest four-year stretch. It was more entertaining than having Bill Clinton try to explain what the word is is and having parents having to watch this stuff on TV just praying their kids didn't turn around and ask him what he actually did. Like, it was so intriguing to watch this go back and forth. You're like, I I swear to God, I'm, I have no words. It's just funny. Everything the guy did for four years, and it, especially if you're similar mindset to you or to myself or – we just know the game is rigged and trying to point this out to people that I go, yeah. Like, so what are you going to do? Like, well, I can't do this. this is the, they fall right back in the line. You're like, so, all right. So you, you know that it's rigged, but you don't really think it's rigged. You really think that we have a choice and you're just okay. Like, they just, they don't, it's hard for people to accept the fact that things are outside of their control when they've been sold that this is, this is how you have control, right? Like they, they've been told, Hey, you all can vote, vote people in and out. Like you all get to do this, but taking that, taking the idea that they have control away from people, they just won't. They literally will not let, allow that to happen. So that's, elections have consequences, yeah, Sean. Sure, and you know who? Yeah, me writer's cramp for me writing fucking my name down twelve times. Although I still liked it. Who uh, Jeremiah was that his name was like, if voting made a difference. They'd make it illegal. Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, like guys, it's been 
Uh, this is all Ross Perot's fault. Like, this is where it all no goes doubt. back to, is, is Ross Perot got a little uppity, and the powers that be literally rewrote all of the rules around elections to ensure that never happened again and no one would ever challenge their mean? supremacy. You mean, like, requiring all debate participants to receive 15% in the, a poll to uh, reach the uh, debate stage, but then not adding that person to the poll? Yeah, I mean, that was one thing. <laughs> Uh, the changes to the Electoral College, the changes to... League of Women Voters, thank you, but no thank you. We're going to create our own commission here on <laughs> debates. We're going to run it for the Republicans and the Democrats are going to run this so it's bipartisan. Oh, thanks. Yeah. These are idiots. And so we just get to see more and more of this. Yeah. And so. it's This is where I'm... I'm on sort of like Team Chaos right now. Of yeah. I, I tried to explain. My mother and I were discussing Burn it down. this. My mother literally is like, I hope that it's divided in the national government so it forces them to come together. I was like, oh, I was with you until the end. So what do you mean? Like, I want them to get absolute gridlock and get nothing done for yeah. two years. No, I don't want them to work together. Zero. I want them to accomplish nothing for two years. That's it. It's all I'm hoping for is that there's enough division that they do nothing. Because there's nothing they do that makes my life better. No. Ever. Or yours, for that matter. If, unless you are an actual federal employee, there's nothing they're going to do that's going to make your life actually better. Everything will make your life worse. Just give it enough time. All right, you ready? No. All right. Well, before we switch into this expose here, I feel like, I have, just for warning, I have 20-plus articles pulled up for this topic here, or series of topics. Before we get into that, I'll remind everybody to uh, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, and uh, share the video with all your friends and family. It goes a long way to uh, help us uh, get discovered by uh, new viewing audiences. and uh, Eventually live my dream of paying $8 a month to be verified. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Let's do this. FTX, Mr. Hughesong. FTX is a... We've talked about FTX on the show I don't know if you know this already, like in years or in episodes past, when they became the main sponsor for the Miami Heat Arena. That's right. Yes. That might be the actually the the Golden State Warriors Arena too, actually, but definitely the Miami Heat Arena. They have yet to change that on Ticketmaster because I see that they're going to renegotiate that, but it still says FTX Arena when I'm looking to buy tickets for Miami Heat games in February. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, FTX no longer exists. Um, I feel like this is probably like the, I don't know if the, the third or fourth biggest exchange out there. Like if you guys don't know, uh, we talk about crypto on here a little bit. Um, the, I guess Coinbase being probably the most well-known, uh, crypto exchange. Binance is also a very popular, uh, crypto exchange. Kraken is also a, another, uh, crypto exchange. FTX was in that same, uh, uh, field of uh, uh, companies here. They no longer exist, and they no longer exist because they lent something like $10 billion, B, billion with a B, to their sister company, uh, Alameda Research, to fill a hole in their balance sheet and use customer funds to do so. So they took $10 billion of customer funds out of the exchange, FTX, and the, I say they, it's pretty much Sam Bankman-Fried, and we'll get to who he is in a minute, <clears throat> but he is the founder of FTX and Alameda Research, both. And he had a $10 billion supposedly uh, hole in the balance sheet on Alameda Research and therefore filled it with customer funds from FTX. 
um, a series of probably seemingly innocent uh, events that led up to this started with a little like a report on Coindesk, which is kind of like a, a crypto uh, YouTube channel. Like they just kind of report on stuff and they saw the FTX had to report some of their reserve holdings for a reason. And they went, they pointed out that a large portion of their value was pretty much their own coin that they had pretty much created out of existence. And so somebody had mentioned this and uh, Binance, which again, I think is probably the second biggest exchange or one of them out there right there. They decided they were on this news. They were like, all right, we're going to sell our FTT, which is the in-house token for FTX. And when doing so caused a bank run of uh, FTT and, uh, and and FTX did not have the, uh, resources to fill withdrawal orders for their customers because the money was being lost at Alameda Research. And all of a sudden, uh, with, uh, uh, users could not take out their money. Uh, the, everything was frozen. Uh, this is on FTX, that is. And even so much so that the CEO of Alameda, when Binance decided to, or when, yeah, so when FTX, FTX decided to, or when Binance decided to sell all their FTT tokens, Alameda Research came in and said, we'll buy them. Like they'll buy them at $22. This was the CEO of Alameda Research, who was also on the side note, banging Sam Bankman Friedman. Somebody Bank, Sam Bankman Fried. We'll get into that in a little bit too. Um, but the CEO of um, Alameda tweets out at the, the CEO of Binance saying, hey, we'll buy all those FTT uh, tokens at $22. Uh, Binance declined and said we're selling off and it is what it is and alameda and uh ftx no longer exist they have uh both uh filed bankruptcy chapter 11 um i guess let's stop there for the time being because there's so many different ways to go from here but this all happened like within a week so like by, by the time we, this was just happening as we were on the show during the election show, I kind of knew that something was happening because I could see that, you know, all the cryptos were down and you can see that, um, you know, Bitcoin was down in 16,000. Uh, oh, I don't have my Bitcoin window up there. That's shocking. Um, but so anyway, this whole exchange with all these users and all of their crypto uh, uh, locked on the exchange no longer exists I don't know. Give me your initial take. I, I brought this story to attention to you uh, kind of a couple of days ago. Cause I was like, Hey, we're going to talk about this a lot here. So um, I don't know. What were your initial takes? And then we're going to figure out where we want to go next. Um, it, it's just odd. It's, it's a very, very odd story that the average person is not paying any attention to, but I feel like they should be. Uh, this is one of those, and eventually people are going to come around and understand it, but it is complicated. You are talking about on top of just various corporate structures and, and different relationships. You're talking about cryptocurrency, which makes most people kind of uh, gloss over to begin with. And it's almost like when you tell people, oh, yeah, this this crypto exchange just went belly up and like they, they had no liquidity. They lost all their money. They, this is insanity. And people are like, well, that's crypto. Nope. Yeah, I mean, at one point, this guy's net worth was $26 billion. It was worth little. it was worth sixteen billion dollars like a week ago, like ten days ago. It was worth sixteen billion. That's zero. Now he's zero. Well, zero. I mean, technically zero on the books. I'm guessing. I'm guessing the uh, 
the hack, because conveniently, after they filed bankruptcy, there was a $515 million heist of a bunch of tokens on the FTX exchange from a hacker. Why do you put hacker in air quotes? Well, because apparently Sam Bankman-Fried developed a backdoor to FTX, which allowed him to take all this money and give them to Alameda without any of the executives in FTX knowing to begin with. So I'm not shocked when a a backdoor of the exchange is exploited again just to take crypto out. And then Kraken, who apparently they're so dumb, the hacker, took the money out, the, 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 the crypto out, and then... Decided to run it through Kraken, and Kraken was like, uh, thanks, but note that like we know who you are now. And they basically tweeted out, we know who the hacker is. So I'm guessing that will come to light at some point, whether or not it's directly uh, Sam Bankman-Fried or one of his uh, cohorts there. But uh, the hacker is known seemingly within the crypto exchange industry. So no one's taking those coins because they're going to they're gonna get seized at some point anyway. The idea that this guy has not been arrested yet, he's just hanging out playing video games in the fucking Bahamas, is a little mind-boggling to me. He's a billionaire, um, all right? Show some respect. And we're going to get to a billionaire with some connections here. Maybe uh, Let's start with the connections. Well, so let's first start with just Sam Bankman-Fried, right? So, All right. Because then that goes into the connections, which is it does, a, you're a, right. a, a thing. So first of all, there's a young kid. I don't know if he's like 30, right? Sure. Something like that. Um I mean, this was this all happened in a handful of years. Like, you know, he was basically nothing in 2018, 2019, and then he's worth $26 billion in 2021 here. So um, he is the son of a federal tax attorney, and uh, his mom is also a uh, – yeah, he's 30. Uh, his mom – let's see if I can find that down here – is in charge of a – gigantic pack that I can't find save something save something America or something like you know one of those crazy things but anyway pod save America no uh, similar probably overlap but anyway so the mother I thought I had this pulled up but I don't the mother is uh let's just say that the parents um both are from Stanford and have connections within the uh uh Democrat political world through the mom and the uh federal banking uh world through the dad so this guy gets out of college. He becomes a uh, trader for Jane Street, which is apparently a uh, uh, hedge fund or something. Yeah, uh, He's there a couple years. He decides to then um, start his own hedge fund, which was the Alameda Research Group, and along with the FTX exchange. So <laughs> just, let me see, I'm trying to pull up his, uh, he became kind of the face of, crypto regulations yeah okay here we go um u.s senators commit to advancing crypto bill despite ftx collapse so sam bankman freed had been basically the f- the face of crypto throughout washington dc he had developed relationships he has you know um donated something like 30 40 million dollars to uh democrat campaigns just this election cycle. Go ahead. Mind the gap was the name of the super PAC that Thank his you. mother was founded in the head of. Yeah. So plugged in, plugged in politically, plugged in financially through the parents. Um, probably, and, and I think he admitted. I don't have any of this pulled up here, but I feel like I've heard enough people talk about that where he didn't really have a grasp of crypto and exchanges all that much when he founded all this stuff. He just kind of saw an opportunity, 
and, and took it there. So, um, but he basically became the face of the franchise, if you will, for crypto regulation and was testified in front of uh, committee hearings and among other things uh, in support of regulating the crypto market. And there is still a piece of legislation that he has his, uh, uh, that is, you know, he, I don't know if he wrote specifically, but I'm sure he had uh, much influence over that is still being pushed by, uh, I think it's uh, John Boozman and I can't think of the other, yeah, John Boozman. I can't think of the other uh, 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 politician's name, but they're still moving forward with this piece of legislation. So hopefully this, most people, uh, I, I, I would think would pause on this politicians, you know, they're, they're doing what they want to do anyway, but. Um, so plugged in politically, plugged in financially, started this hedge fund, started this exchange, got to the point where he's, again, we talked about him naming, I mean, he's naming rights to stadiums. Um, he pledged to, uh, donate something like $1 billion to the 2024, uh, uh, fund here. But, um, I don't know, as you were digging in, what did you find about, uh, um, our boy, Sam Bankman fried and your little, uh, digging your research. I like the too long didn't read version of the story. Yeah, go ahead. Sam Bakeman Freed was a patsy used by VC funds to launder money through FTX for political influence in a stadium in Miami. FTX collapse gives excuse for the SEC to push regulations on the entire market, and it sets the stage for, quote, trustworthy, end quote, CBDCs. CBDCs are central bank digital currencies. So if you hang out in some untoward corners of the internet and Twitter, you're familiar with the growing conspiracy theory that the Federal Reserve Central Bank is on a mission in setting things in motion so they can issue their own central bank digital currency, the digital dollar. And at that point, everything that you want to spend money on. I mean, on, if only there was a crypto collapse that they could kind of rally around and uh, galvanize support for such a, a thing. Weird. So at that point, they would be able to set up their own trustworthy. It's the dollar. You know the dollar. You trust the dollar. Therefore, you could use your regular dollars too and the crypto dollar and the digital dollar, and then eventually they'll get rid of the paper dollar, and all of your transactions will be readily tracked and monitored and controlled by the central bank. Now, again, it's a wild conspiracy theory. I'm not saying there's any truth to it. But also had a history over the last two years of some pretty wild conspiracy theories turning out to be entirely true so i'm not taking an opinion on this one at this stage i'm i'm gonna say i can't rule it out it does make sense that the united states federal reserve would want to issue a digital dollar that it could control um it also makes sense that the powers that be would want to use that currency for that exact purpose and i think the idea that these people are altruistic and or benevolent is not supported by any even cursory reading of the relevant facts. To your point, Mr. Houston, let me play this for you guys, because this is a little bit kind of an eye, uh, who Sam Bankman is, or at least decided who he wanted to be. Um, this is from one of my favorite Twitter followers, Clown World. I like him. Yeah, or her. Or her, whatever. Yeah. Um, let's play... Uh, this uh, interview, I feel like it's, uh, I can't remember who the interview is, but it doesn't really matter. The I, You'll get the uh, gist of this almost immediately here. But Sam is not a traditional billionaire because he believes in the concept of earn 
to give. Which means his goal as a human is to make as much money as possible just to give it away. Earn to give. And that's exactly what he's doing. So let's say that you have $100 and you want to figure out what you can do with it to help the world. Earning to give is thinking about which causes, which charities save the most lives per dollar. This $100 can go as far as it possibly can to help the world. world. Last, Last year, year, this 29-year-old guy donated $50 million. Next year, he's planning to donate $500 million a year. And next decade, he will probably give away more than $10 billion. The amount, the amount of good that you can do uh, for, the for the future of the world is, is, really, is really large. It makes way more than you, than you can do to, act, to action yourself happy with, with anything like that amount of money. And he, and he is, is funding everything you can think of. Global warming. One of the biggest, biggest problems that we have to tackle together as a world. COVID-19 preparedness. We have, we have to be ready for the next pandemic. Neglected tropical diseases. More than a billion people suffer from them. We have to eliminate. all right so i messed up with the audio there a little bit so hopefully you guys got the gist if not go to clown world scroll down to let's see what's the date on this thing November 12th at 2.19 a.m. Eastern time, that is anyway. So um, go watch that video. You'll get an idea of the things that uh, he was into and the crazy overlap of the things that have been going on in this crazy world as we talk about. So um, did you finish talking about uh, all of your uh, connections that you wanted to talk about? Or let me pull up another article here. I, I literally have 20 articles that I can talk about here. So I, I, I'm trying to figure out where to go and make sure we cover all of this stuff. So, But even Daily Caller this morning, Dem Megadonor under federal investigation, bankrolled lawmakers overseeing the agency he was lobbying. Um, $515 million is stolen from collapsed crypto exchange FTX in a matter of hours. But is it hackers or an inside job? New CEO locks down remaining funds in secure storage as FBI is called in to amateur suits to try to track down thieves. <clears throat> I'm just screaming through this. Ukraine partners with FTX Everstake to launch new crypto donation website. So the idea that, let's touch on this for a second. <laughs> We're definitely getting kicked off. Oh, I know. So, so Ukraine is receiving money from the U.S. in war, war aid, and then taking that money, investing in FTX, getting whatever return on FTX is not. And then FTX taking that money and giving it out to democratic politicians. It's literally a laundering scheme. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was set up to be that, but it actually in practice worked like that where the money just kind of filtered right around back to the Democrats. All right, let's go, let's go through some of go the ahead. connections. So we know his mother is the founder of the mind, the gap Pack and is one of the largest donors to Democrat causes, organizations, and political groups around the entire country. Now, 
It gets a little bit weirder, as we said. He first formed Alameda, which is a crypto research wing, or crypto research company, all right? And then he founded FTX, or I don't know if he founded it, or it was, it was assigned to him, but either way, comes up with FTX. FTX starts getting some legitimate money, all right? Not, not little bits. And he uses that money to shore up some holes in Alameda, um, that's, then he merges the companies together because of their obvious synergies, not because one of them was siphoning money and the other was printing money, but because of their synergies, more than likely. So now let's get into some of the odd relationships. Go ahead. So he decides that he is going to put a new CEO at Alameda. I hope I'm saying that right. I think it's Alameda. It's Alameda, yeah. All right, good. So Carolyn Ellison Yes. Who um, looks to be about 14 and a half years old. She went to college with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, so I they're, they're, I'm she's guessing. at least eight. All right. Uh, anyways, oddly enough, just coincidentally, she's, I shouldn't say it that way. So she has a father, as we all do. All right. And her father is Glenn. Glenn thank you. Is Glenn Ellison. And Glenn Ellison works at MIT. He is the head of the economics department at MIT. So he's, in the words of Ron Burgundy, kind of a big deal. Kind of. Kind of a big deal. All right. Well, years ago, um, Mr. Ellison had an employer, employee, I'm sorry, who also worked at MIT and was a student at MIT. And this guy was... He was uh, a professor at MIT. He was a professor. Thank you. What's his first name? Uh, Gary. Gary Gensler. Gary is, Gensler did so good in his job as a professor at MIT while learning under Mr. Ellison and then working for Mr. Ellison that he then turned himself into a pretty, pretty cushy job with the government. What was that job, Sean? Uh, he is now the chair. I mean, this is where he is now. He has uh, other illustrative uh, stops along the way, but currently the chair of the Securities and Exchange Commission. Huh. Weird. So... The, the guy who is the current head of the SEC. Gary Gensler. Has a pretty cushy relationship with the father of the girl slated to run this company that just pulled one of the largest scams ever. Used to work for Gary, used to work for uh, Glenn, Glenn Ellison. Yeah, yes. Glenn Ellison. Yeah. And now Gary Gensler, who has taken a position on cryptocurrencies. And his position is pretty laissez-faire and we should let him go, right? Uh, so he has been... <laughs> For, for lack of a better word, involved with the crypto market for a long time, Mr. Hussong. Let me let me go to the MIT Management Sloan School. This is a, just a, a press release from them in 2018, January 16. Seems pretty boring, a little press release here from uh, the MIT groups here. But I don't know, let me just go down here. So the MIT Media Lab... Today announced the joint appointment of Gary Gensler as senior advisor to the director of the Media Lab and senior lecturer for the MIT Sloan School of Management. This is in relation to crypto. So I read it right here. Uh, he will also work with the Media Lab director, Joy Ito, and I'll get to him in a second, including as senior advisor to the lab's digital currency initiative and the ethics of governance of AI. So he's been involved or... Uh, uh, immersed in crypto for before Sam Bankman Freed was a thing, right? So this is 2000, again, 2018, January of 2018. So 
One side note, and you guys may have uh, uh, recall this, that maybe we've even touched on this here. So let me uh, flash back to 2019. Joy Ito resigns as MIT Media Lab head in wake of Jeffrey Epstein reporting. What? You had to do it. What? You had to do it. Guess who was on the plane? Who was Joy on? Ito. <laughs> A couple times. Oh, jeez. The guy who ran the Media Lab, this, the guy who basically his Media Lab was funded by Jeffrey Epstein. Forced to resign in disgrace for his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, but nonetheless, the money and Jeff, the money invested by Jeffrey Epstein into the MIT Media Lab went to who? Gary Gensler. Shocking. Is Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein is literally the evil Forrest Gump, right? Like he's involved in everything. He just shows up everywhere, all the time, involved in everything. So you could play a really weird version of Six Degrees of Separation. Though. Yeah, no, we're not going to do that. Bacon. We're not definitely not going to do that. So. Let's get this. Let's go back. Let's recap some of the stuff, Mr. Hughesung. Gary Gensler, in charge of the SEC, in charge of regulations uh, going forward on the crypto market, worked for or was his work funded by the MIT lab directly through Jeffrey Epstein's pedophilia. blackmail ring so we have this one circle we have two circles we just talked about let's let's bring them back inside we have the uh ukraine circle where the money just gets revolved back around extracted from the taxpayers and ends up into the campaign coffers of uh uh, democrat politicians and then we have this weird circle of sam bankman freed banging carolyn ellison whose dad was the sec's Boss, former boss. We got some weird coincidences going on here. And the fact that Sam Bankman Freed and Gary Gensler were out in, you know, again, the face of new regulations strikes me as somewhat convenient that there couldn't have been a more cartoon character than this dude and his lack of, uh, seemingly credible professionalism across the board somehow is the face of crypto and now gets to be the face of a crypto crash and therefore ushering in new regulations in the market seems more than coincidental to me. I mean, it's at least coincidental. There's, it's a, there couldn't have been, again, there couldn't have been a, uh, a, a made up character created in more of a, a, a fitting way than Sam Bankman-Fried. So let's just follow this around real quick. Yeah. So Sam's mom raises a bunch of money to give to the Democrat politicians. Correct. Fact check true. Okay. Now, does so well, Sam Bankman-Fried gets FTX, and that becomes the golden child of, of crypto exchanges amongst the political elite, <laughs> amongst the swamp. So then, the political elite, upon receiving more money, they make him the golden boy. His, his company goes through the roof, his, his crypto exchange. He, in turn, comes back around and donates money to all of their campaigns, which is, of course, used for all legitimate purposes, and nothing ever gets siphoned off the top. Now let's go a step further. These same establishment politicians decide that we need to allocate $40 billion at a time 
to the Ukrainian government. Now, obviously, Harris, Raytheon, and the other defense contractors got to get their cut first, which is $36 billion of the $40 billion. That's neither here nor there, but at least $4 billion still to go over and source of various funding. Now, they also encourage everybody else to stand with Ukraine and donate money, and so one of the most efficient ways and one of the big hallmarks of cryptocurrency, the people who support it, do support it is the ease with which you can send money all over the place without needing a Western Union guy that's going to charge you exorbitant fees. So instead, the Ukrainian government says, you know what, we need someone to facilitate the cryptocurrency donations that we're getting and then turn them into fiat currency that we can use. So who do they grab? They grab FTX and they say FTX is going to lead the way for this on us. So we... They approve the funds to Ukraine, raise money to go to the Ukrainian government. The Ukrainian government then uses FTX to facilitate that money. And then FTX, for charging its fees, donates money back to those same exact politicians and then somehow manages to lose somewhere between $500 million and $2 billion. Whoops. Uh, that's gone. And somehow I'm supposed to believe this didn't end up in the hands of either Ukrainian or American politicians and bureaucrats. Okay. You're so cynical, Ben. Seems so reasonable. Like, that would never happen. And look, I don't know if Sam Bankman-Fried is like uh, a patsy or a driving force. He strikes me as more of a patsy. But look, this is what most people don't understand. If you're in Sam Bankman-Fried's position and you're actually running this company, you want the regulation because you are going to win because you have all the right connections. The same way everybody gets all mad about John D. Rockefeller back in the day. Like, what a greedy capitalist. No. John D. Rockefeller did not get that rich by being a capitalist that just wanted to have a fair competition in which he could win. No, he wanted to make sure that he had a monopoly over all the oil and that his standard oil group that could therefore charge whatever it wanted oust all the competitors because the competition was bad. It meant people might be getting subpar oil or they might have to pay more somehow through competition and only they could do it their way by streamlining it and making it more efficient. So if you want to get rich, you love capitalism because you can really provide a public service and you can make money by doing that. But if you want to be wealthy, you don't yet generally want capitalism. You want corporatism or cronyism or crony capitalism or whatever word you want, where it's like me owning an ice cream shop and then decide to go to the government and say, hey, listen, I need you to ban all the other ice cream shops through a series of regulations. And here's a $20 million donation to your campaign. And they go out and say, well, unless your ice cream can meet these standards, you can't make it. And that eliminates like 40% of them. And then you come back out and say, all right, well, that got rid of most. I'm going to buy up these other ones, but I got this one that's going that won't go away. So we got to come up with a new rule. Well, your space has to be this and this, and you need this much in storage, and we're going to send the health department after you, et cetera, et cetera. So the idea that Sam Bankman-Free would have been opposed to regulation is asinine, and in my opinion, very unlikely. He wanted it because yeah. his company would have been able to put Binance down, Coinbase, and all these Kraken because they would have been the chosen one. And then they have this evil synergy of public and private control over this, which means he just gets to make money hand over fist, donate it to the same exact politicians who put him in this position. They get to then launder the money throughout the entire world, and then just keep this vicious cycle over and over and over. Now, what was unexpected, and this is what I find very intriguing about the whole thing, is the liquidity crunch. Is Did he get, like, short-squeezed? And if so, who did it? 
Well, so a couple things back to this. So we didn't cover any of this stuff, but there were all, there were two other exchanges that went under within the last few months this year of this year and FTX bought them up. So they bought up these insolvent exchanges just to, to, for altruistic reasons, supposedly. Right. Um, I'm guessing they knew that if they went down, they were going down with them. Yeah. Um, the idea is, and I, I, I don't have this article pulled up, but this hole in the Alameda research uh, uh, balance sheet came from uh, what I'm told is the collapse of Luna back, uh, I don't know what that was, maybe even like a year ago, but, uh, you know, eight, ten months ago at least. So when that collapsed, that was the hole that Alameda had yet to fill and needed the customer funds to do so. Um, I will want to bring up one more thing here. So this is for a tweet from uh, Tara Bull. Uh, she points out, and I sharing on this on the uh, page here with you guys. World Economic Forum uh, FTX was a partner. Shocking. The uh, the link to the FTX uh, there is no longer there. When you go to the World Economic uh, page, it is now uh, disappeared. I'm Definitely. gonna I'm gonna read a quick go ahead. thread from Twitter from Jordan Schachtel. Yeah, I got that one pulled up. He actually, sent that to me. Sam Brakeman Freed attempted to monopolize an entire industry and deploy it into the hands of the ruling class. His Ponzi blew up spectacularly after a successfully executed speculative attack. The demise of FTX should be a cause for celebration. SBF is not a traditional spook in the sense that he was a government operative, but his companies did attempt to win favor with politicians and regulators. His company was well-positioned to become a public-private monopoly, just had to keep the Ponzi going a little longer. It doesn't make sense to me that the feds would want FTX to blow up. The man was planning on throwing billions into ruling class coffers in the coming years. Now he can't do that. He's probably going to jail. If FTX was a Fed op, then Binance just became their enemy. Unless Binance, which has long been rumored as a CCC, uh, CCP tied, flipped to U.S. friendly. But again, if FTX was run by Feds, why not inject liquidity? Did they not have the budget for the op? FTX converting crypto contributions to Ukraine's war effort into fiat for deposit at the National Bank of Ukraine. Yeah, I, shared that, I shared that article up top. Man. Yeah, so I, I, I read that too. Um, I don't know about the CCP Binance thing. Obviously, you know, the, the, I, don't, I can't pronounce the guy's name who owns Binance, but I'm guessing right, he's Chinese. Um, it comes across as Chinese when you read it, I guess. But yeah, this, this idea, I don't think that it was... Do I think there could have been a planned demolition to bring on regulation? Sure. But I don't think it was planned to do right now. Like, I don't, I think Binance actually caught him and, or Coindesk caught him and then Binance called her, called them basically. Cause Coindesk basically released the thing saying, Hey, these guys don't have all this money. They have, they have their own token. That's what they have. And they're saying that it's worth a bunch of money, but nobody else has this. Like they, they're just saying it is like, and right. that's their balance sheet. So when that got called out again, Binance was like, all right, well, let's see if they have it. And they just started selling their, they started selling all their FTT and boom, it, it was out like that. I mean, they, it was, it didn't last more than a day until everybody knew what was happening. And here we are a week later. This and, is wild. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy to have happened that to get that big in a short period of time, you know, I guess whatever pump and dump, I mean, this was coming down. Um, it came down faster and 
more spectacularly than I think anybody could have uh, thought. But I do think that it was a, uh, uh, if, if in fact what Shockdale is uh, insinuating that it was, you know, it wasn't a government thing that they should have had the money to kind of, I mean, that's a lot of money, first of all. Um, and, you know, not saying they don't have it because they can literally just get it wherever they want to get it. I'm not you dismissing they, that you at all. you think they already blew all that money they made running cocaine through Central America? I mean, they reinvested into better planes, I'm guessing. But or, still you know, better operation. Last, right? you know I, mean? Oh, like, no, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is that was just reinvested into the operation. And, yeah, now they have better, you know, infrastructure to run more operations. So, yeah, it's it's there. I Again, I it's... His political connections make it hard for me to think that he wasn't being, not only was he the, the face of the, but he was being led by certain entities, I feel like, within the industry or within the the future political industry. So whoever the connections of Gary Gensler were and the Glenn uh, Collison's of the world, <coughs> those are the, Ellison's of the world, <coughs> those are the... Um, you know, those were, I feel like we'll see where I'm guessing SPF is going to go, go to jail. And so will this, his girlfriend, uh, 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 Allison there. I can't remember. Carolyn, uh, Carolyn Allison. I don't think they take anybody else with them though. Like I don't like they're, they're no. to your point as being a patsy. They're, they're a patsy in that sense is that if there is anything connected to the government or the CIA, I mean, they're not going down. Like unless, unless SPF ends up dead, like then, no, no I think it, then we'll know. I, Listen, this is me cheering for an outcome more so than objectively, like, saying, here's what I think is, here's what I think would happen. I guess this is what I want to have had happen. I know there's foul play afoot. There's no question. But I think what I'm hoping for is that these guys really were just fraudsters, and they were trying to do that, and the SEC chairman was trying to use them to that same end, even if it wasn't a full-on government ploy, that he was saying, all right, look. You got my daughter here. This is over here. We got all this hooked up. We know they're going to donate. So what we need is we need a lot of volatility in the crypto market. We're going to come down and say, and it's coming to a vote like tomorrow on how much regulation of cryptocurrency they're going to have. And so by doing that, they were hoping to have him in place still. They needed this thing to yeah. keep going so they could say, look, FTX is the most reputable. It's large. It's yeah. not this. And then push that through to be like, this is the primary one. And everybody else needs to live up to the standards. And gradually you weed out all the others. But instead... China or just some tech bros or somebody or some hacker online caught on to the idea of like, they don't have near enough money. They're so far over leveraged. They can never come through and just put a squeeze on them. And it blew up the plan. I want that to be because anything that's not that is way more nefarious. Yeah, no, I I think what you just outlined is what Binance did, right? They just said, Hey, these, they're, they're they don't have this. Like let's, well, let's, we're selling it now. They might have said, we're not selling it to cause this, but they're selling it as like, hey, these are these are worthless. And like, we right. need to sell them now. Get out of here. Get out of here. So, and then everybody else figured out, oh shit, they're worthless. Let's get out of here too. And boom. And I will, one more thing I want to bring up on this regulation. And I don't know, I guess you can just draw a great connection to Jeffrey Epstein again. So, but Larry Summers is, uh, you know, outspoken about this whole thing. I know he's been to... On the island, all the, position, all the things. Whatever position he takes, I'm on the opposite side. Yeah, for sure. Right. And so he's, you know, this is his, he's jumped in like, oh, we need regulation now. So whatever. So like, I, it's not lost on me that they're all the same people who are evil lizard people doing the same things. And they're all overlapped with this thing again. Listen, it's the same people telling you that we need more 
uh, oversight and the government needs more regulation. These are the same people that caused 2008 with regulation. Like, these are not good, competent, smart, intelligent people. These are idiots, fraudsters, full of self-interest who think they know better than you but have no greater concept of how the world works than you or I do. The idea that you want the same people who... Triple A rated mortgage backed securities that were all filled with junk on the idea of, well, yeah, but they can't all go bad. A hundred bags of shit inside of a big bag is still shit, all right? But these are the people that we are entrusting with regulation. They, I don't know how much more they can do to make you realize they do not have your best interest at heart. They are not out there to protect the working man, they are out there to protect the working elites that run the finance industry. And right now, where is the government authority to regulate cryptocurrency coming from? What, what vested power do they have that allows them to regulate cryptocurrency as a private transaction between two other people? If I choose to take Bitcoin as a currency in my ice cream shop, that is my business. Why do you get to regulate it? Well, for your good. Because you're doing such a bang-up job at everything else you're doing? Yeah, please, let's have you get involved with this too. My God. I hope to God that that was what they were going for and it just blew up in their faces. Because eventually, here's the reality, they probably are going to be able to regulate this and come out with their own little central bank digital dollar. And I hope people reject it outright, but I am not at all optimistic that most people will. So if all this did is delay it by five more years, good. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm guessing there's going to be more news between now and next Monday that we'll update this on, but... There was so much news that I just knew that this was going to dominate the show here. So, and it touched on so many things that we already touch on on a regular, and this basically pulled them all together again. We got to involve political corruption, money laundering, Ukraine, Jeffrey Epstein, Elon Musk. Not involved with this one. We talked about him earlier. Well, like, I could bring Elon Musk into this one if you'd like. Why not? Let's bring a full circle. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, but if you have, if you had other lists, I. Oh, no, it was on the terrible. Uh... Okay, so the, back to terrible. Was FTX being used to launder money for the Democrat Party? World Economic Forum sponsored FTX on their website, which has now been removed. Elon Musk comments underneath four hours ago. A question worth asking. A question worth asking. Was FTX being used to launder money for the Democrat Party? Somebody else raises a good point. The media sat on the myocarditis study. The media sat on the FTX money laundering scandal. And they sat on the student loan forgiveness cancellation until one week after the midterm elections. I mean, why, uh, why you know, let's not mess things up, right? I mean, they're not. Wow. We live in a clown world, Mr. Hughesong. We do. This is wild. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I know, I'm sure I missed stuff, but... Yeah, uh, they. I think it was Australia just came out and said they no longer recommend the booster shots for anybody under the age of 30 because the risk of myocarditis is too high. So, if you keep it score at home, put another one in the column for the conspiracy theorists that were talking about this uh, about 15 months ago. No, it wasn't that long. It was, it's been a while that we've been talking about myocarditis risks with vaccines and about how that's that's really not good and... The idea that it's mild myocarditis, any any physician who uses that terminology should lose their medical license automatically. Yeah. By by referring to it yeah, definitely. If your doctor uses mild. those terms, find another doctor. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That would be my podcast advice to you. Yeah, I mean, don't take advice from us either. We're idiots, but we have a podcast and a microphone, so therefore just take it for what it's worth. But 
I now Pfizer and Moderna have to do studies to to actually track the myocarditis. It's like it's November of 2022. We got these vaccines almost two full years ago, and now they're going to start a myocarditis study. Yeah, well, clown world. I mean, better late than never. No, it's not. It should have been then. There was no excuse for this whatsoever. None. There's no way to justify this at all except that there was money to be made and the same people that want to regulate crypto are the same people that are regulating the biopharmaceutical industries. Bang up job as always, gentlemen yeah, I, and ladies. But this, all of this, all of the stuff that we covered makes it seem it's too, too coincidental for there not to be some intention involved. And I'm on side of this dude was a construct from the beginning. Like, you know... Whether or not that's what he set out to be, but they, at some point along the way, they're like, "Oh, here's our guy. We can make this the guy who's going to do all the things yep. that we need to do, uh, supply the regulation, maybe even supply a future collapse, you know, to whatever." Like I, again, I think, in theory, if if this was if my uh, uh, assertion is true that he was a construct for whoever, um, that they probably did want to keep this going longer. I mean, listen, if he's going to donate one billion dollars to Democrat candidates next year. Let's keep it going, right? right? I mean, if I'm if I'm a Democrat, um, it's not just Democrat; it's any established sure, politician. Sure, right, yeah, no, like the right. idea that it's only the Democrats, I think, is flawed. But I his think that it is the, the so the twenty seven power, right? But he gave twenty seven sure, and he gave twenty seven million dollars to another Democrat pack. Like, right. I mean, the, the, there's direct money you can tie to him and Democrat candidates way more so than than Republican candidates. Oh, and there are so. definitely have been whispers for a long time about the Democrat Party using Ukraine to launder money for their own yeah, families. Sure, yeah. I mean, we covered some of that with with the Bidens, with the Carries, with with some other well-connected people having these weird connections in Ukraine prior to the war and going, "Boy, if if you were going to operate on anything other than blind faith, you'd you'd probably have some significant concerns about these relationships." But yeah. ah they're all politicians, so we can trust them because they're on my side. But those other yeah. ones, they're evil. And I would never, ever, ever trust them. Yeah. I'm on side of a construct at this point, And uh, I'll wait. I'll reassess uh, as more news comes out. So, all right. Anything else, Mr. Hughesong? We've covered a lot of uh, craziness here at the, uh, the Sports Clicks and Politics. But um, anything you'd like to leave the folks on uh, more uplifting than... I mean, I, I don't know anybody who had money left on FTX, so... You know. I didn't have any in FTX. No, I'm neither. good. So, but um, sorry if you did, and sorry yeah, if you terrible. bought the FTT coin. I guess but, the, uh, the the I guess we should reiterate this. I've People who have asked me this in the past, oh, what I do with my Bitcoin, whatever, put it in cold storage. Stop leaving it on Coinbase. Take it off. Me, me included. I have too much on Coinbase right I now. It should come off of exchanges and be in cold storage. The one thing I think we'll say, and I'll end on this, is that these exchanges, Binance, Coinbase, and some of the Kraken, and some of these other uh, exchanges that are out there, have basically been putting out uh, proof of reserves to kind of like, hey, stop. Hey, we're not in the same kind of position right. that this other exchange was in. We're not going anywhere. So uh, on that note, I put two call positions on Coinbase uh, two days ago uh, for January of 2023. They're both up. All right. So looking good. Coin Coinbase itself, the stock is not up, but the call positions are up for whatever reason. So I don't know. Feeling good long range. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I I do think that you know, in in a in a general sense for the crypto landscape, that all when any time a bad actor gets wiped off the map, it's better for the industry. Right? It's better for the space. It's better for for growth. It's better for everything. So this person was fake growth, fake everything, and therefore 
you know, basically has caused, I don't know about irreparable damage, but it's caused damage. And obviously, you know, you can look at the prices of some of these cryptos are all down to, to lows here. So, uh, but if you believe in the crypto space and I do, um, buying opportunities are uh, abundant everywhere. So there was also um, somebody doing a, uh, a podcast on this and it was, it's somebody with crypto and they, they asked uh, a veteran short seller, like, what are your thoughts? And this was back in, I think September. And he's like, the guy never answers a question. He like, you don't know where his money came from. He's worth 25 billion. The only way that you're worth 25 billion is you have to start with a significant amount of money to turn it into 25 billion. You don't start with a hundred dollars and turn that into 25 billion in the span of two years. It's not possible, not on return on investment from a company. So he goes, you don't get a straight answer. He can't answer anything. He never goes. There's zero reason to believe anything this guy is saying. It is FTX is trash. It is absolute garbage, and nobody should own it. Yeah, so, and there, you know, I, and I did go back and I found some old tweets of people who were calling this, saying, "Hey, this is not good. This is not everything. This smells bad. This smells bad," kind of thing. So there were people out there who were onto the game, whether or not, obviously they didn't have any influence because, you know, or at least not major influence, you know, hopefully some people got, took their uh, advice and got out, but yeah, clown world, crazy story. I don't think it ends here. Like I said, I'm assuming that by the time we talk next week, uh, these two people will be in jail. Um, the fact that, again, the fact that they're playing video games in the Bahamas probably just goes to their political connections at this point. So maybe he'll go full John McAfee and just get a sailboat and hit it. Yeah. How funny would that be? Oh. All right, I don't think he could pull off John McAfee. This dude, like, he's a nerd. Uh, he just, he, yeah, through and through, he looks like a nerd. He talks awkward. like a nerd. And yeah. nothing against nerds. It's just, you're not the ones that are going to, like, sport dual AK-47s while doing lines of blow. With no, he's he's the kind of person who gets, who kills himself by shooting himself in the back of the head twice. twice. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. On that note, let's get out of here. All right, so thank you all for... Uh, <clears throat> lasting another uh, episode here, another, uh, I don't know, it's not a marathon episode unless we get to an hour and a half. So right, we're, um, good, we're, we're short of that. So on that note, we'll see you all again next Monday. And uh, for episode uh, 117, please share, like, and uh, subscribe to the channel. And we'll see you all next week.